If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and I want to start us on a journey there this morning. Don't let the word journey scare you. I'm not going to go forever. Uh, But I want to start in Acts 2, and we're going to end up in Acts 10 in just a moment. But I want to kind of show you to kind of build up what's going on uh, here as Acts begins. In Acts chapter 2, Monty Cox went over this with us a few weeks ago as he read to us and studied with us about the fellowship of all the believers. And they sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone that had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together, praising God, verse 47 says, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then it's chapter 3. We see where Peter is healing the crippled beggar. And I want you to notice uh, the words in verse 6. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And when all the people, verse 9, saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Could it be? Could it be that Jesus is starting to work and he's starting to come on the scene and the beautiful thing is people begin to recognize it for what it is and so you continue to look on there over in chapter 4 Peter and John go before the Sanhedrin and then in verse 12 this famous passage salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Then I want you to jump down to verse 19. And Peter and John replied, you judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Just about the time that you think that we've turned a corner and everybody's going to jump on this bandwagon and they're going to start following the Lord, then all of a sudden you have those that doubt. You have those that begin to question. And you have those that begin to wonder in their mind, is this really the man called Jesus? I love the courage that Peter and John have. It takes courage when everybody else is being negative, when everybody else is doubting. It takes courage, which is what you and I are called to stand up for. It takes courage to stand up and put in a good word for Jesus. And then I want you to look down in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Church, I'm telling you, there is something to be said when all of God's people will raise their voice in a unified way in prayer. Prayer works. And you know why prayer works? Because God is at work behind those prayers. There is power in God and there's power in the gift of prayer. And so now verse 29, so Lord... 
Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great, what's the word, church? Boldness. And then down in verse 32, we see where all the believers again are together and they share their possessions. They're one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. Then I want you to flip over a couple of pages to Acts chapter 8. And here's where you see that the church is persecuted, broke out against the church. A persecution did at the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Verse 2 says that godly men buried Stephen and they mourned deeply for him. And Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And then in verse 4, those who had been scattered... Look what they did in the midst of all the irony that's going on here. What do they do here in verse 4? Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And when the word was preached, hearts were convicted. And who is it, church, that does the conviction? It's not you and I. Who is it? It's God through the working of his Holy Spirit spirit that will convict men of their sin that will convict men of their need to stand up and say I need Jesus and so you see Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch there in chapter 8 you see Saul's conversion in chapter 9 and for the rest of our time this morning I want us to camp out in Acts chapter 10 But I wanted you to see how all of this is building up to this event that we're going to look at this morning. Now, as we read through Acts chapter 10, and I really want you to have your Bibles. Let me see your Bibles this morning. I want you to use your Bibles. Use one in in your pew. We're going to work through this text this morning. And it may be hard to visualize how earth-shaking the events actually were, but The changes that God brought to pass covered a time span that reached some 50 or 60 years. And if you had any question about how monumental this event was, you'd at least get a hint at how disturbing it must have been for the early Christians by the way in which God introduced the idea to Peter. Now you already have in your mind, Peter is not afraid to stand up and preach about Jesus. Peter has the courage Okay, And so God is preparing the way for the gospel to be shared to all people. And he's using an unlikely character in Cornelius, a Gentile Roman military centurion. God, I want you to remember this truth, God is always at work around us. And we need to be open to what he's doing, even if things don't happen like we think They should. And Acts chapter 10 is a very good example of that taking place. There were some that said, this is not supposed to happen this way. And yet God reaches down in the depths of his soul to reach people. And he sends a message that says, you know, it may not supposed to be happening this way, but it's going to happen this way because it's my way. 
And we need to be open more and more in our life. And we need to be attuned more to what God is up to, not just what we want to do. And there's a big difference. What is God up to versus what am I doing over here? And what am I up to? And what is God willing to do? And how is he willing to work his will through my life? Cornelius is stationed in Caesarea which takes place about 30 miles north of Joppa. And there's a special unit station there. There are special soldiers known as the Italian cohort. There's around 1,000 men. And Cornelius, a centurion, was commanding a group of 100 men. And so with that in mind, I want you to look down with me in Acts chapter 10. And I want to start reading in verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal's being prepared, he fell into a trance. That is not a good location to fall asleep, I'll just tell you, okay? He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. Now stay with me here as we read about this. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up. Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now here's what you got to realize. Peter's a good guy. He knew the law. And he wanted to follow it book by book, letter for letter. And so he knew how he had been trained and what he had been taught. That's why he responded the way he did. The voice spoke to him a second time. And it says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. I want you to underline or star that phrase, that verse, as we're going to come back to it. This happens three times. And immediately the sheet's taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the man sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. You see, in these dreams, God's telling Peter, I'm going to do something new. And that new thing is waiting at the gate. And while Peter is wondering about the meaning of the vision, this man named Cornelius is sent the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and they stopped by at the gate. Now here's the deal. God is emphatic at what's happening here. And he's making sure that Peter knew what he wanted. I mean, he's making it crystal clear. That's why he has to repeat it three times. And I'm wondering this morning, do you think the number three has any significance with Peter? You remember, didn't he deny Christ three times? Didn't Christ ask Peter three times to feed my sheep? And don't you know Peter understood the command clearly when God spoke again, hopefully for the third time, in this same way. And Peter had, had enough discernment to understand this vision was symbolic. And the fact that he doubted means that it was difficult to understand exactly what this vision meant. But here's what's at work behind the scenes. The Holy Spirit was playing a major role in this whole story. First with Cornelius and his obedience, and now with Peter 
as the Spirit is bringing light to Peter's mind on what God is wanting from him. And when I, when I look at that, I can't help but wonder in my own mind, are we hearing and are we staying in tune with the Holy Spirit in our daily lives? The way that Paul says it is, you keep in step with what? You keep in step with the Spirit. Because when you're in step with the Spirit, who are you in step with, church? You're in step with God. It all works together. And so as we grow, here's what happens. We begin to gain new understanding. And as a result, some of the things that we used to believe need to be allowed to kind of fade away. Wow. Well, that's a mouthful. What in the world does that mean, preacher? Sometimes as we grow in our faith, we begin to realize that some of the things maybe that we have been taught were nothing but tradition. That's not bad. But when we come along and realize, you know, this thing that I thought was tradition is really biblical, is really scriptural, church, we need to be more in tune with that than we do tradition. And we need to recognize there is a big difference. And I'm not down on traditions, and I'm not trying to throw all traditions out. I'm not saying that at all. But I want you to understand, this was a big thing in Acts chapter 10. It is a big thing for us even today. It's one thing to have tradition. It's another thing to have, this is from God. This is Scripture. And so Peter is going to be asked to take a step of faith and obedience in response to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, I wonder this morning, because here's what happens in our own life. We've got the Holy Spirit at work in our life, and you know what? Just like Peter here in this, in this passage, we are asked by God to take a step of faith and a step of guidance which is led and which is directed by the Holy Spirit. And my question is, do we follow suit? Do we follow suit? Do we even recognize if this is from the Spirit or if it's from something else? God's Spirit is at work. And we know this was God's plan from the beginning. But for Peter, this was a major shift in what he had known. And so what he begins to do is he goes back in his own mind with how he was raised Versus to what God is actually asking him to do. And you know what? Peter is being asked to get out of his comfort zone. Peter's being stretched a little bit. That's not a bad thing, is it, church? Because when God asks us to move in a certain direction, he is shifting us. And he is changing us. And he is molding and shaping our hearts for something greater. Okay, and we have to believe that. And here's the deal. If God is shaping and molding us in a certain direction, God's going to bless it. And God's going to take care of that because a door will open up for us to be there. What we need today, we need some more modern Peters. Men and women that are willing to be obedient to what God is doing 
even if it takes them out of their comfort zone. Even if it means we stop and say, I've never done it this way before. Or I I didn't think I believed this. But when the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you in that process to do something, it will be good and it will be blessed. And that's exactly what Peter begins to see. And so as the time as Acts 10 was written, the church has, had existed for about three to four years, on up to as many as ten. And all during that time, the church consisted only of Jewish believers. They no longer offered sacrifices because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. They no longer kept the Sabbath as their holy day because they now celebrated uh, the day, uh, what we would call Sunday, to remember Jesus rising from the dead on the first day of the week. But in spite of the fact that they didn't do those things anymore, the Christians in the early church were still very much, they were good Jews, And they still thought like Jews, and so they avoided things like unclean foods listed in the law of Moses, but they also avoided something else. From their birth, Jewish boys and girls were taught that the Gentiles, and you got to keep in mind, that is everybody that wasn't a Jew were unclean. And so the Jews referred to the non-Jews as Gentile dogs. That's not an affectionate term. That was an insult as high as they come. And so they wouldn't sit down to eat with them. They wouldn't spend the night with them. And as we talked about last week, if they had to buy something from a Gentile merchant, a good Jew would would wash that item before they even attempted to use it. And so Jews would only accept Gentiles on one condition. They had to convert to Judaism. And that meant that the men had to be circumcised but God comes along and his intention is I'm going to change all of that so he plans to bring the Gentiles into the church and his plan was no intention of requiring them to be circumcised before they were baptized you see circumcision was the mark of the old way baptism is the mark of the new way, if you want to look at it like that, okay? It's that way that we enter into a covenant relationship with God. So God intended to bring a major change in the church. And God knew that people are no different than people are now. They hate change. And so he had to bring about this adjustment in the most powerful way that he could manage And so this is what he did. He chose a man named Cornelius as his test case. A man who the scripture says was a righteous and God-fearing man respected by all the Jewish people. He wasn't someone that the Jews knew. or He was someone that they knew and liked. He was not some stranger to their country. He was a man who was known as a person of prayer and a man who gave to the poor. And so... All of this is starting to add up, and and nowhere else in Scripture does God repeat a dream three times. Sometimes God would repeat a dream twice, and sometimes God would give that same kind of vision in different forms, but nowhere in Scripture did God repeat the same vision three 
separate times. And so you know that's got to be something that's pretty important. And again, three separate times, God had to send this one message to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 15. And he said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so it's becoming obvious to Peter that these words had a far greater implication than simply what he was and was not allowed to eat. This issue is much bigger than food. Peter was not to regard certain people as unclean and those to be avoided. And so God is revealing to him that all forgiven sinners are to be accepted, including the Gentiles. Now you've got to keep in mind, if you're a Jew and you hear that message, cannot swallow that. I mean, they cannot see how that can take place. And in spite of the fact that God had softened Peter up with his dream, God still doesn't explain to Peter that the Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised until later. And that's where I want to pick up in verse 24. When they are at Cornelius' house. The next day, Peter started out with them. Some of the believers from Joppa went along. And the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter looks at this and says, get up, stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. And while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Ah, after the third time, he's finally getting on to it, okay? So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius looks at this and he says, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man shining in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. And now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now, do you see what Cornelius says? In other words, Cornelius is saying, I'm ready. I mean, here I am. I'm I'm answering this vision. I'm answering this call. And I was told to be here. And I am ready. And all God had to do was prepare someone to share with them. Boy, I, I look at that today and I can't help but think. It seems that it was harder to get someone prepared to witness than it was to get the man ready to listen. Do you see that? And I wonder if it's not true maybe in our own communities. And I'm not talking just Paris. I'm talking all over the world. Are there more people ready to listen than there are people ready to give it? Are there more people ready to listen and receive than there are those who are ready 
to preach it and teach it. And I know we get scared of that word preaching. Let me tell you, it's nothing more than proclaiming and teaching and reading the word of God. Because God does the work. God does the work. There's power in that. And so when Cornelius shows up and says, I'm ready. Look how the story goes on. Down in about verse 45, 44, while Peter's still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Here again, the Spirit's working. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. They couldn't believe it, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. So what they begin to see is this is no longer just for me, but it's opened up to who? To everyone. What a monumental thing that took place. And this is a vision, church, that changed the world. It's a vision that changed the world because there's now hope for everybody. And God and his spirit are all at work in this. And then Peter asked the question, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Who on earth? We think, man, why would he ask that question? Who on earth? would say no to that. They had a hard time swallowing it. They had a hard time believing it. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said in verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized. They've received the Holy Spirit, just like we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus, and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now that caused such an uproar. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 15 for a moment. Peter speaks at the conference held at Jerusalem about a year later, and it was such a divisive issue, they held a gathering to deal with all the objections to Gentiles being allowed into the kingdom with circumcision. And even after that conference, there were Jewish Christians that would go around to Gentile congregations attempting to convince them that they still needed to be circumcised. In spite of of these words in Acts 15 verse 8 God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us I want to give you a few things to take home with you this morning number one our God is a God of change and God can always do great things when his people allow him the freedom to change their lives. 
That means we've got to have an open heart for God to always work. We've got to have an open heart for God to always mold and shape to be more in tune with him. Also, we learn that God wants his church to reach out beyond its comfort zones to reach more and more people for Christ. We've seen this morning the early church repeatedly was challenged by God to do things they were uncomfortable with so that more and more of the lost could be saved. So that more and more Corneliuses could come and say, I'm ready. And I don't know where you are this morning, but I guarantee you in your walk, you have people around you at work, neighborhood, wherever you are that need Jesus. And they may, they may just be looking to you. They may be that Cornelius. And when that question's asked, however they ask it, will you be ready? Not to say, I don't know enough, or I need to go get somebody else. Because they're looking to you. Because you have the relationship with them. What will you do? What God calls all of us to is obedience. Period. God wants his children to be obedient. So when those doors are opened up and people ask about God and about how he works, what a grand opportunity we have right in our face. And I guarantee you it'll happen to you this week. You won't know the time, you won't know the place, You will when it happens, and that's the good part about it. That's God's Spirit working and opening a door up at just the right time. The vision that changed the world began by changing one man. And the same thing can happen today. When that vision touches me and that vision touches all of you, there's no telling how it'll spread. It'll spread like wildfire. That's exactly how it happened in the early church. They had the same God that we have. And it can still happen right now. Will we believe that? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I pray this morning for hearts to be open to your will. And Father, we know as we study your word that when you show us a new truth, you often give an opportunity to act on what we've learned. And Father, we pray this morning for situations and circumstances and doors to open our way so we can put in a good word for you. Father, we know that you are a God that's big enough to save. And we praise your name for that. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for your spirit that you have put in to our life and in our heart 
And may we follow your spirit day by day. Through Jesus we pray and all of God's people said, Amen.